today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule. He shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against whom? The prince of princes. And he shall be broken without human means. I love that. He says he's even going to come against the prince of princes. I believe he's speaking of Christ himself. And then he's going to be destroyed, but not by human means. There's going to be a supernatural thing that comes and takes him over. Again, I believe Christ working and coming against him in the midst of that. As Pastor David continues our study of Daniel, we encounter some prophecy that pertains to events that are yet to happen. An antichrist is coming, and our world is ripe for it. Rebellion against God is rampant. Many choose to completely ignore and deny His very existence, making themselves the Lord over their own universe. As Pastor David encourages us in today's message, as a believer, you have reason for hope. Our God will have the final word, and Christ will overcome the evil that is destroying this world. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Daniel chapter 7, as he continues his message, Visions for the Times and for the Future, Part 2. Then to him, to this one like the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. I believe it's very clear when we look at that. It's the Lord Jesus Christ the Son of Man, coming to the Ancient of Days, all of these dominions and kingdoms given to him. That again, we read that within the New Testament. Again, all of these kingdoms are going to be given. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Uh, Again, that Jesus Christ is Lord. At the very end of times, we see this. And again, even the very fact that he comes in the clouds of heaven to show this. Now, Daniel's vision is interpreted with a a major emphasis on this fourth kingdom or this fourth beast when we look from verses 19 through 28 or so. And we can well understand the concern, uh, again, as, as this angel is giving this interpretation to him. Look what it says in verse 23. As the angel is speaking to him, he says, this fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth, trample it and break it into pieces. Now, again, if we were to read the whole thing, you'd realize that the coming of the Son of Man, the seating of the Ancient of Days is gonna happen after this devouring of the whole earth by this fourth beast. Again, in, in, in the whole area of prophecy, you've gotta really pay attention to what you're reading, when you're reading it and how it all works together. At the end of the chapter, 
Daniel is still concerned. He's still struggling with this whole vision. Look what he speaks in uh, verse 26. Again, speaking, I believe now, of, of the time uh, of, of the, the final finality of things. Verse 26. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion of that fourth beast to consume and destroy it forever. And then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High, and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So now we're coming back to speaking about the Son of Man receiving all of these kingdoms. And all the dominions shall serve and obey him. Speaking about the very end of all ages. But look at verse 28. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me. And my countenance changed. But I kept the matter in my heart. I think that he was looking at this and saying, wow, we're talking about the end of the world here. And God is giving me this vision. And man, we've got all these beasts and the mass destruction and all that's going on here. And yet we also see that at the end, God is in charge and he brings it all back together. I think that if any of us had anything, man, even a portion of a vision like that, particularly if God had given you visions in the past that you knew that it was God and not just the pepperoni pizza from that night, that you, you would have that kind of a vision. You'd wake up, you'd be sweating, you'd be concerned, you'd be worried. Man, that's horrendous, but it's glorious because at the end, God wins, amen? At the end, God wins. Chapter eight, another vision. Vision of the ram and, and a goat and having this goat has several horns, again, referring to future kingdoms and their rulers. Well, this time Gabriel comes to Daniel. He's going to interpret the dreams. And down in verse 17, he says, hey, this dream that, that you just received, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. So again, he's telling him, Daniel, what you're seeing here, these are going to be in time things. Now, Gabriel makes it clear that the ram in this particular vision is the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. He points that out. Look down at verse 19. And he said, the angel speaking to him, look, I'm, I'm making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation. For at the appointed time, the end shall be. God has an appointed time. It's not up to man it's not up to a man. And, and one, of the, one of the teachings in some areas of, of Christendom say, no, it is our responsibility to make the world a better place in order that Jesus can come back. You know, that is so non-biblical, it just absolutely blows my mind that people will actually declare that. Because the Bible says, no, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Until then, the Lord is going to come. And he makes all things new. Well, he come, this angel says, no, there is an appointed time and the end shall be. In verse 20, that ram which you saw, Daniel, having the two horns, that's the kings of Media and Persia. And that male goat is the kingdom of Greece. And that large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, Four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. Let me continue on here, verse 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, 
a king shall arise, having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. My, who can they possibly be speaking about there? I believe they're speaking about the Antichrist, who gets his power from Satan himself. Again, the fierceness in all that's going on. That latter king, transgressions, he's going to rise up. Continue on there, verse 24. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully. He shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule. He shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against whom? The prince of princes. And he shall be broken without human means. I love that. He says he's even going to come against the prince of princes. I believe he's speaking of Christ himself. And then he's going to be destroyed, but not by human means. There's going to be a supernatural thing that comes and takes him over. Again, I believe Christ working and coming against him in the midst of that. And again, verse 26, the vision of the evenings and the mornings, which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to when many days in the future. Daniel, I'm giving this to you. I want you to write this portion down. But don't forget, this isn't what's happening right now. This is going to happen many days in the future. What we see in the prophetic declaration, and we see this over and over and over again, we see the immediate fulfillment, again, the Medes and the Persians, and then the the empire of Greece taking it over for the Medes and the Persians, then following them, the empire of the Romans taking over over Greece and, and the empire of Greece. So we see that in, quote, unquote, an immediate fulfillment. That's going to happen a few hundred years down the line. But then we even within that is the further fulfillment, the complete fulfillment of the rise of Antichrist, the rise again of Christ himself and defeating Antichrist and all of his wickedness and finally bringing all things together. There's a great parallel between these two uh, uh, prophecies or these two visions already, the vision of chapter 7 and the vision of chapter 8. We see in chapter 8, speaking just primarily about two kingdoms, but then as the angel gives him the, uh, uh, the fulfillment of it, he speaks of, again, in the end times. So again, it's kind of like uh, coming in and, and, and telling you uh, an event that's going to happen and then kind of rewording it and saying, now, this is what's going to happen. And then rewording it and saying, this is what's going to happen with the hopes that you're going to get it at least one time. And I believe that that's how these prophecies are coming about for Daniel. Because in all of them, it all points to those rising of these nations, these empires. And then the final fulfillment of the rising of that one who will be Antichrist that one who comes and uh, brings such wickedness within the world, who exalts himself, who, again, as the word speaks, he takes himself, places himself even within the temple of God, calling for people to worship him until the very end of things come. All of these things 
falling together. This final worldly king, I believe is that man referred to as the Antichrist. I believe that those events of his final rise, his final wickedness are going to be taking place in that final seven-year period known as, once we get into chapter nine, the 70th week of Daniel. We're moving, we'll move into chapter nine in a moment, but at its completion, of that 70th week is when the Lord will return. That's when he will come, he will crush the enemy, he will set up his kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, just as what's spoken here. And again, that that kingdom will never be destroyed. So as we get into chapter nine, again, Daniel tells us it's the first year of Darius, the son of Ajashuras, who is in the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Okay, so here we have Darius, the king of the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, this is the time that Daniel is getting this vision. And here we find Daniel, he's praying for the people. He's making confession, not only of his own sin, but of the sins of all the people of Israel before God. And it's following that full time of confession. We're not gonna go through the whole thing uh, tonight, but it's following that time of confession and seeking the Lord's forgiveness for Israel that the Lord sent Gabriel once again, and this time to give him the declaration of that 70 weeks. Now you may have heard that phrase in the past. Maybe you've studied it thoroughly in the past. Maybe you've done research and you've gone to uh, different prophecy conferences and stuff. So you probably got a whole lot of knowledge about it. Or maybe, man, you've heard of that phrase, but you don't know a thing about it. This is where it's found, chapter nine, the book of Daniel. Let's just read it real quick and then we'll speak about it. Verse 24, this is that vision of the 70 weeks. 70 weeks are determined. This is what the angel is speaking to Daniel. 70 weeks are determined for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince There shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end of it shall be a flood." Until the end of the war, uh, of the war, desolations are determined. And then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. Now I'm going to go back through this. I'm just going to point out two or three little things to kind of give, get you into the, uh, the ballpark of the understanding of the interpretation. Seventy weeks are determined. The 70 weeks, again, prophetically are speaking of 
70 weeks of years. So again, 70 times seven, seven days in a week, 490 years. Just hold that in your brain for a moment. Again, you're gonna have 490 years in order to do all of that. Then therefore, and understand verse 25, that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That's 69 weeks. So in other words, there's a period of time, there's one week, a seven-year period, that is not included. He's saying you're going up to 69, then something's going to happen. What's going to happen? Well, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Again, when we look at this, there's been great amount of studies on all of these as far as the timing and everything. Sir Robert Anderson, back in the late 1800s, did a study on, again, the time factor in the Jewish calendar, 360 days to a year, going back to the very time where, uh, I believe it was Darius that gave the okay to Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the city. Not Ezra rebuilding the temple, but Nehemiah rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. And counting off the days, the years, all until the time of Christ's arrival, Sir Robert Anderson says it is the very day that Jesus came in on the triumphant entry right into the city of Israel and saying that that is the time that Messiah came in and within just a few days, he is cut off, but not for himself. In other words, he is cut off. Why? For our own sin. He sacrificed for our sin. That's why he is cut off. Then there is a season of time. As a matter of fact, once he is cut off, the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The prince of the people to come destroying the city and the sanctuary. The destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. In other words, just shortly after the time of Messiah's coming. And with that, speaking of the, the time, there is a blank space of time in there until the coming again of the final seven weeks. It's called, in other places, the time of the Gentiles, the time of, again, these abominations that are taking place, that all of these things will happen. So we look at these things, we understand it's it's tough to pull it all together on one simple verse, but this is where this all comes. The prophecy speaks about this future ruler that comes and makes a seven-year covenant with Israel, and then he breaks it after three and a half years. In the middle of the week, he's going to come and he's going to bring an end to the sacrifice and the offering. Many say that at the beginning of the tribulation period, I believe after the rapture of the church, that there's going to be a, a, a season of, of peace that the Jews are going to be able to build then the third temple. Once they build the third temple, the ability then to be able to restore the animal sacrifices in that third temple. But about halfway through that time, that seven-year period that we call the tribulation period, and about three and a half years in, that one, that antichrist, that ruler will come in, he'll bring an end to the sacrifice and the offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be the one who makes desolate. Again, speaking that he will come in, he will set himself in 
the temple, set himself up as God. And again, at that point in time, the final three and a half years of great and severe tribulation taking place. So let's look at 10. Daniel's vision. Daniel's, uh, again, another vision. This one in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. A message was revealed to Daniel, okay? Daniel had been mourning for three weeks. Verse two tells us. He's on the banks of the Tigris River and he sees a man that's clothed in linen, girded with a golden belt. His face was like lightning. His eyes like torches of fire. His arms and his feet like burnished bronze and his voice like that of a multitude. Now it's interesting when we look down here in verse seven, he says, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men who were with me didn't see the vision. But a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hid themselves. It's interesting when Saul of Tarsus was on his way to Damascus. Remember the bright light that, that was so severe that it literally knocked him off of the horse and the voice came. And it says that those that were with Saul, they didn't see the light, they didn't hear the voice. God was speaking to him particularly. And here we see that something's going on. His companions realize something's going on. They're terrified. They ran off, but they didn't see the fullness of the vision. So the man says, as he speaks to Daniel, that, uh, man, when you first started praying, I was on my way to you. Verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly beloved, Understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. I would too, after you understand, man, all that he's seeing here. Verse 12, though, comes to him and says, Don't fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Now, here's an interesting thing. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers, again, once again, to many days yet to come. So before we even get to the vision, man, this whole interaction with the angel says, hey, your prayers, we heard your prayers, and I was coming to get you, but, or coming to speak to you, but suddenly, I, I, man, I got tied up with the prince of Persia. It delayed me for 21 days. Michael had to come and help me to get out of that so that I could come and give you this vision or to declare to you this message from God. Now, by now, your brain ought to be swimming because you wonder, man, in the spiritual realm, what in the world is going on that God, when he wants to give us an answer or to speak to something from us, that the enemy can even delay that in that kind of a time frame? That there is this spiritual battle that's going on even as you and I sit here tonight that as we, man, we lift our prayers up to God, maybe the delay is because God wants to delay. Maybe the delay is because there's a spiritual battle going on in bringing you that very answer. It ought to cause our brains to at least, you know, spin a little bit when we look at things like this and understand the greatness of that battle that's going on. Angelic warfare, absolutely. 
demonic warfare that's going on all around us? Absolutely. Beloved, if you don't believe that there is a spiritual realm with demonic uh, activity going on and angelic activity that's going on, you're fooling yourselves. Just a theme weaving its way through Pastor David's messages and really through the Bible? That theme is salvation. It's Jesus. From the very beginning, God planned for His Son to come save the world from its sins. You find this plan ingrained in His Word, in the lives of the key people of Scripture, and in the words of truth each book provides. We're so glad you're on this journey with us. Through the Bible, we pray you're finding Jesus not just in the text, but in your everyday life too. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again, you'll be able to listen online at theopenword.com. There's several messages there, in fact, and many of them go even more in-depth through a verse-by-verse study of each individual book of God's Word. That website again is theopenword.com. Before our time is up with you today, we'd like to turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I wanted to take a moment and ask you to be praying for the ministry of The Open Word. I know God is working through the messages I've been able to share, and He's opening hearts to His love every step of the way. As Chris was saying, this book I'm teaching from is just filled with grace, and I want everyone to know about it. Would you pray that more and more people would come to know the saving grace of Jesus? Would you pray too for all of us who are creating the Open Word program? We want to keep focused on Jesus, not on us. Thanks so much for praying. And thanks for joining me today on The Open Word. Make us more.